You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another sterling episode of Bloom and Tech, the podcast that looks at the collision of technology and entertainment and picks through the resulting rubble to find some cool stuff to talk about and some cool people to talk with. I'm your host, David Bloom, and I'm so grateful, as always, that you've chosen to listen in. This week, I was at the annual Digital Entertainment World Conference in Los Angeles. It's always an interesting gathering, attracting a lot of top-notch executives from all over Hollywood, Silicon Beach, and Silicon Valley, Madison Avenue, and far beyond. On day two, I moderated one of the opening panels, a conversation with four of those executives on the future of content marketing. For those of you who don't know much about what content marketing is, forgive yourselves. Definitions are evolving quickly and aren't always agreed upon in a field that really is both new and has existed in some form for quite a long time. If you're into movie trailers, for instance, you've seen content marketing. If you've ever read a thoughtful op-ed essay by some company's CEO, you've seen content marketing. And these days, if you see a clever YouTube post where an influencer works with a brand to do something smart and fun and engaging, you've seen content marketing. And there are a lot of other examples as content creators and publishers try to figure out how to survive and thrive and Brands try to get seen, basically, in an era where most people just don't notice most ads of any kind. Content marketing is a way to break through the logjam of stuff out there trying to grab the attention of users and connect them with a company or its messages. It creates different relationships between audiences, creators, and brands. It's probably going to pay for a lot of the stuff you'll be seeing online and elsewhere in the years to come, and so it's worthwhile paying attention to what's happening there and where it's headed. My panel was terrific, I have to say. It featured senior executives from three big media brands, Fandango, Twitch, and Machinima, and one from Creator IQ, which tracks about 5 million brand deals a year with influencers and helps those brands pick the right partners for their projects. It's worth noting that the day before the panel, news broke that Machinima, whose co-head Russell Ahrens was on my panel, was being dissolved into other parts of Warner Media in the aftermath of AT&T's acquisition of what used to be known as Time Warner and a joint venture called Otter Media. I'll expect Russell to resurface soon in another big media organization given her background and talent. You can certainly hear how sharp she is just listening to her comments on the panel. But it's safe to say that the news of Machinima's demise weighed on the proceedings. It's only the latest in a series of Time Warner units that are being shut down in that merger with AT&T. You'll also hear me mention the potential for content marketing to help news organizations survive. In the past three weeks or so, we've seen well over 1,000 jobs get cut from some of the highest profile sites on the web, including Vice, BuzzFeed, and Verizon's Oath unit. At the same time, Gannett, long the biggest owner of traditional newspapers in the United States, laid off dozens more journalists across its holdings, even as its board was stiff-arming a takeover proposal from the hedge fund-backed Digital First organization. I don't know if content marketing will help stem those kinds of job losses and get a way for many organizations to get to a place of stability and, and help them thrive, and there are certainly complicated questions to ask about ethics and arm's length relationships to be asked. But at least we're beginning to understand more of the opportunities and the challenges here, and we'll see where it goes. After a word from my sponsor, give a listen to the conversation at Digital Entertainment World 2019 about content marketing, the view from the top. 
I think you'll find there's some good stuff here, including what these executives think are some of the best examples of content marketing in the last year or so, and what to look forward to going forward. going forward. Gung Hei Fat Choi, right? Today's Chinese New Year. We're going to talk about the year not of the that, pig. The year of the pig, which is supposed to be a really good year. We'll see what happens. That could have been uh, last year. I'm not quite as optimistic as the Chinese culture, but they've been around for 5,000 years. They might know something. This is a fantastic panel of folks talking about content marketing and the view from the top. We're up here on the top of the building with a view that's been obscured, unfortunately, but we'll try and make do. Let's begin with a real quick introduction. My immediate right. So Tim Sove, COO of Creator IQ. Uh, we're a software platform that helps brands measure and scale uh, influencer marketing and branded content. Uh, you can think of us as Salesforce for brand advocacy. I'm Sandro Corsaro. Uh, I head up creative and content at Fandango. I oversee all the brands, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, Movie Clips, uh, MovieTickets.com, and obviously Fandango. Kim Nelson, head of West Coast Sales for Twitch. I'm Russell Ahrens. I'm with Warner Brothers. I was formerly the head of Machinima. So we're not going to dive into really deeply the fate of Machinima, but I'm sure you're all going to no, bug her about it immediately after the line forms to the right. That being said, there are probably some folks at Machinima you want to talk to for your own fantastic, incredibly interesting marketing and gaming and everything else experiences. Let's start. I'd, I'd like to talk to begin with, just looking at how brands are embracing or not embracing the idea of content marketing at this point. I keep hearing, oh, they're just discovering it. Oh, they're not that comfortable with it. And then I hear, oh, these guys are going, going to town with it. So first of all, a temperature check. How are Fortune 500 brands, Fortune 1000 brands in the United States and beyond taking to content marketing in general? Let's start with well, we'll start with Russ. I think that everyone recognizes if you don't have something entirely relevant and pinpointed to an audience, they're not interested. You can use every algorithm in the world to try to find them, but then you have to engage them. So I think the smart companies and even the traditional companies, I saw some great examples yesterday of you know, something Procter & Gamble did. Um, I think everyone has realized... Not that they know anything about marketing, but right, Procter right. & Gamble. But you know, someone you might put in the traditional bucket has embraced... Um, content marketing in all its forms. So I actually think it's almost a little um, passe to say, is it, it, has it been embraced? I think it's to the extent that budgets are going much more um, significantly towards that and less towards you know, traditional advertising and making 30-second spots and that sort of thing. Well, that seems to me to be the most important embrace of all, which is one with money in it. Yeah. So as we look at mixes and things like that, I mean, is this going to be a quarter of the budget? Is this something that's still 5%? Is this uh, like a major investment? What are you all seeing, uh, Kim? Um, I think I, I agree with Russell, but I also think that when we look across our brand, our stable of, say, a thousand different advertisers, there's spectrums of people who are willing to take chances with branded content and user-generated content and influencer marketing, and there's those who will take big risks and they'll give us lots of leeway to do creative things, and then there's some who are very, very careful and they're super cautious and they're like, let's wait and see how so-and-so does and then we'll try it. So I think the budgets will continue to swing in that direction 
just kind of at a wave and not drastically everybody all at once. So who's willing to take a big swing? I mean, who among your 10,000 advertisers, which is a little boggling by itself, is out there taking a big swing with this stuff and doing really cool stuff? For, for us, I think we're seeing a lot of, like, the entertainment studios are doing some really fun things. Obviously, the video game companies are doing some fun things. Brands, I think, that really identify themselves with Gen Z and millennials, like Doritos, um, are doing really fun things. Budweiser, um, Dollar Shave Club actually just did something really interesting with us. Um, they haven't done a ton of marketing, but they did something that was really creative and went far out ahead of what a lot of other people did and the results were unexpected. So it's, it's a range, but I think there's a trend um, of those brands that you see that do generate or, and resonate with the Gen Z and the millennial audience. Um, and they recognize that that is their um, current and future consumer. And they are the ones who I think are really embracing the trends that are happening in the marketplace. When you said unexpected results for Dollar Shave Club, it's funny because they launched with essentially their own, that, that video that was so huge. You would think they would be doing this stuff all the time, though they're now part of Unilever. What was it that, what were the results? Why were they unexpected and in what ways? Well, we just launched a new product called the Bounty Board product, and what it is um, is something that democratizes the ability for streamers to earn money doing brand content. And we have about 3 million people who are streaming at any given time on our platform. And most of the big advertisers want to work with the ninjas of the world and the summits and the Dr. Disrespects and all those guys. And their prices are getting higher and higher and higher and the demand is getting higher. And so it's really difficult to satisfy a high demand of content marketing plans when you have a relatively limited stable of high level um, ambassadors. So what we've created is a tool that automates the ability for all of our streamers to participate in a bounty, if you will, and we're able to collect data on the back end. And for any given brand, we can match um, the information from the brand with the information from the streamers and collect a group of streamers who actually identify with that particular brand, and then they can opt in to do the influencer campaign. And so what that results in is instead of having a ninja and a summit, for example, you might have three or 400 micro streamers um, streaming to their communities. And so the scale can be the same as the large streamers, but you're talking to a bunch of smaller communities instead of one or two really large ones. So it's not a stream so much as a rivulet, but <laughs> it's still, still some video and it, it adds up to a mighty stream is what you're saying. Sandro, I think of Fandango, I don't think of content marketing, but uh, you and my old friend Harry, your uh, king of communications, suggested that, you know, we uh, have some relationships with all these studios. He's the shy one up front. And we're doing stuff all the time. So, so what are you seeing with the studios and the networks and, and the things that you all are creating that are, are content marketing? I mean, you've got your own page for content marketing. So clearly it's a big deal. It must yeah. be important. Yeah, I think... Um I think we're in a very admirable position that our content, um, you know, movies, movie trailers, people view them as a form of entertainment. I don't know how many people here would watch three or four car commercials for entertainment, but people love trailers. Our influences, if you will, you know, if you look at, you know, Chris Pratt on Instagram yesterday or the day before, he posted, um, you know, Lego 2, which is obviously a hilarious movie and speaks to the authenticity and the accessibility of kind of content. He posted about the Rotten Tomato score and then a push to kind of Fandanga. We don't pay him to do that, we don't tell him to do that. His interest, he has a vested interest, obviously, in the success of the content. So we're fortunate in that sense. 
Um, we also have non-endemics that are kind of coming into the space. So we had a program over the summer called Fanticipation with Microsoft Surface, where we actually kind of, we had a bunch of influencers kind of get together and talk about movies, obviously using the, the Surface Pro to kind of diagram and, and design and talk about uh, superhero movies. So we've been very fortunate in that space. I think one of the things that I'm, the, the trend that we were talking about earlier and certainly it's coming out on the panel is the expression of authenticity and the expression of, of accessibility through content marketing. Those are like core tenets that we think of all the time when we talk about movies, that movies are for everyone, all voices matter, and debate and discussion is richer when it has more diversity to it. Okay, so accessibility and authenticity, I think, are probably the, the two watchwords in this business. They always have been, but it does seem to me that notion of what authenticity is has evolved, that it used to be, it had to be sort of rough-hewn content that maybe wasn't as finely grained and, and <laughs> developed, but I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. What, what are you seeing, Tim, across the millions of, of deals that you guys track? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the notion of lo-fi content was the way it needed to be for authenticity is also because the creator ecosystem was in its early days, right? You literally had amateur filmmakers just getting started. Very amateur. <laughs> uh, they've, uh, creator, the creator ecosystem has now been around for more than a decade. You have uh, what amounts to be professional filmmakers creating content on a daily basis. Uh, they've gone on to make uh, content for the streaming platforms or for, uh, or for the networks. So the, the entire industry has matured over the last decade. So I, I think the idea around authenticity means something uh, a little different to, to uh, you know, probably everyone in this room. But um, I can tell you from a Creator IQ's perspective, you talk about the maturity of the space. Uh, you know, we count Fortune 500s like, uh, like Unilever and CVS Health. You don't necessarily think of those companies as innovative. Uh, but they've pushed all in on the space to uh, direct consumers like Airbnb to legal cannabis companies, right? And the common through line is they're all creating branded content. They're all in the content marketing game. And they're really all speaking the same language, even though they look vastly different as, as companies. So I'm looking forward to the um, Doritos legal cannabis uh, mashup. That should be fantastic. You know, we had an idea at Machinima called Under the Influencer Program. Okay. You know, you, you can take it there. And part of it was... <laughs> Just tell me about you know, this. You, well, you I'm intoxicated a, a, a by thing this of, idea. A thing so. of Doritos and, and some M&Ms and let nature take its course, you know? <laughs> yeah. I know there's a cannabis panel, I think, later today that would yes, probably... Yes, well, well, we'll get all over that soon. <laughs> so... Uh, one of the things we've seen, unfortunately, in the last month, I say this is a uh, grieving journalist, uh, wishing he was more overemployed than he is, is uh, a bunch of the, 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 the news organizations are getting pounded. I think it was Vice in particular, for instance, as they laid off 10% of their workforce, they said one of the things we're going to pivot to is traditional film and TV production, but also branded content. Content marketing, that big portmanteau word, part of it is branded content. So is that something that can save journalism? Please tell me it's true. <laughs> Who wants to take that one? Can we make this happen? I think it's going to be a mixture of things. Yeah. I don't think it's a one-trick pony. I don't think it's a, a magic bullet. I think it'll be a mixture. I think it's extending. Tim and I, in a previous life, spent time at Disney. And I think one thing, again, going back to the authenticity is Vice, which Vice does really well, is they take a lot of the polish off 
you know, companies like Disney, certainly back when and we speaking were Speaking of authenticity, right? Their yeah. whole thing is we're, we're making it a little rough-hewn rough compared to Disney. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, I think losing some of that veneer that the studios have been, you know, an 80-year history of presenting things in a very polished way, you're going to see, I think, brands try to gear towards them all that. They still want it to be professional, but there's a lo-fi quality to it that I think is really the brands that can do that in, in, in success. We'll, we'll try them. Even Google, if you look at their Super Bowl ad, of course it's a commercial and it's shot, but it was of the people. There was a connection, whether you were a little girl, whether you were a guy in India, whether you were in Taipei, there was all these things that kind of made you feel like, oh, I could use that product. Okay. One of the things I'm sort of interested in is how, speaking of Doritos and Machinima and uh, uh, M&Ms uh, and other influencers, influences and influencers, um, what kinds of partnerships are we seeing out there? What's, uh, are people actively seeking not just let's do a deal with an influencer, let's just, or not just put a cool piece of content up that we sort of you know, sneak things through? Are we seeing a lot of partnership stuff? Is that the next sort of big trend that we're going to see? I mean, Russell, why don't you jump on yeah, that? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to speak broadly about everything that's now under the great AT&T um, Warner Media, and one of the most uh, exciting examples, and there was a speaker about this yesterday, is what Turner is doing um, with Turner Ignite and their, um, their branded content studio that's called Courageous. They took um, journalists and put them against the task of branded content. Now, so that these was are, courageous. These yeah. are very, it is courageous, and these are very authentic stories, and they did huge pieces with Mass Mutual Insurance, with uh, Procter & Gamble, you know, people who you would think, imagine an insurance company trying to explain to them, okay, this isn't going to be all about the benefits of insurance, it's going to be about talking about how people can be kind to each other, but there's a halo effect to you. So, uh, I'm going back to your first question, I do think journalism could be, I don't know, saved, but, but it could, be in, it could have a new home by taking those skill sets and applying it to branded content in, in a, again, authentic voice. Um, and uh, I think you're seeing more examples of, of bigger companies kind of approaching this in a boutique way. A boutique way, that's an interesting thing to think about when you think about a giant life insurance company. But uh, So what are you seeing over at Twitch, Kim? Um, I think we're seeing a lot of collaboration. I think clients are taking a lot more time to get to understand who our viewers are and how they relate to their consumer base. And they're taking more time and investing more time into understanding what is the right way to speak to this audience where I don't think people allow themselves the time to do that in the past. And so um, as a result of the collaboration and as, as a result of aligning on what it is they want to get across and what our capabilities are, lands something in the middle that makes a lot of sense and resonates with the audience and that our influencers or our streamers actually have a lot of fun with and it just naturally comes across as really authentic. Now you guys are all about the live stream, the live Twitch, and I've got to think it's a more complicated process to do, particularly a partnership when you've got more moving parts going on and it's live. How does that process work? How do you kind of make it come together? Um, and how involved is Twitch itself in all of this? So uh, in the case of the Dollar Shave Club product that we did, um, we worked with Dollar Shave Club and they educated us on what their whole product base was and what the benefits of it were and everything like that. And then we were able to communicate that to hundreds or if not thousands of different streamers who were um, vetted to be a part to participate in the bounty board. So not just any streamer can participate in this. They have to be vetted 
um, and pass through certain criteria to make sure they're professional and they can follow brand safety regulations and things like that. And so we were able to convey what the important factors were that Dollar Shave Club wanted to get across to the uh, streamers that wanted to opt in for this particular bounty project, send them the actual um, product itself and have them play with it. And that was like rolling the dice. It was really like, okay, here you go. Here's some instructions. Here's the product. Have fun with it and cross our fingers. And I highly and recommend someone, not right now while you're sitting here listening to us, but after we speak, go on Twitch and watch some of these. They are laugh out loud funny. And I think for a typical client, it would have been cringeworthy because some of the ways they're describing you use the product are right out of the guy's mouth. Right. But, but that's what made it yeah. so immediately, yeah. you know, Yeah, exciting. I mean, it's not, it's, it is pretty scary when you think about saying to a bunch of gamers who spend 12 hours a day <laughs> streaming live, how do you use a razor? Um, right, yeah, and other items. Other items. Other it's items. Not, not well, just, even at that, it they is a family-friendly crowd here. The butt wipe. Uh, we have some delicate ears. But <laughs> that being said, um, that turned into a viral video, though. So oh, people fantastic. actually took clips because it was so funny. Right. Over the and these broadcasters had so much fun talking about it that people actually clipped the live and then you know sent it around virally, and it was just turned into a. Humor and it got beyond the whole Twitch universe oh, it, at that yeah, point. Yeah, it turned into... Released it, into the wild, right. as it were. Mm -hmm. Sandro, so uh, what kinds of projects... And I want, we have only about 10 minutes here, so I want to get to... Like, some of the, the best stuff that you've seen uh, over the last couple of years, last year or so in this space, the, not just at uh, Fandango, but beyond Fandango, some of the best partnerships and other projects that you've seen using influencer, I mean, content marketing. That was great, by the way. I watched it. So that's on. That's at least one uh, A. I also I also use Dollar Shave Club. So not quite the way that they were describing. Right. It. I it's shave. I wasn't. I used Dollar just to Shave clarify, Club. Just to clarify, I'm just great Dollar Shave Club, and yeah. I wasn't aware of some of those new products. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. I think I think they're doing a great job. I think despite um, the recent news with BuzzFeed, I think if you look at something like Tasty, they've been able to integrate partnerships into Today Show and get into consumer products. Um, I definitely think taking a kernel of an idea is important. Like. Again, just an example, we, uh, Harry Medved, we talked about this last year. Kevin Hart has been obviously kind of on this meteoric rise. I think he's around 135 pounds, so we made him a belt that said uh, pound for pound, biggest movie star in the world. We gave him that belt in front of The Rock. Jennifer Lawrence objects, by the yeah, way. So true, I'm just gonna fair, throw that out there. But. Um, but we gave him that belt in front of uh, The Rock, and we kind of watched it kind of matriculate on the internet, so to speak. So. Well, and, the, and The Rock, obviously, a good one to play with because he's got 600 zillion <laughs> followers, I think, is yeah. the last count that I saw. Yeah. Uh, so you did it with that, and you had a couple of guys that are, that are viral already with a fun idea, yeah. and you went from there. I also think I'm looking at, um, you know, kind of from a traditional company, ESPN Plus is something that's interesting, where they're kind of, if you look at kind of their marketing campaign, they're definitely going back to the core of what ESPN is about, which is highlights in sports. I think it's very different than where they were a few years ago. Um, and then we also, we talk a lot about, honestly, a, a company that's been doing it for a very long time um, is Red Bull, right? They are a drink company, but they have... I think they should get the Red Bull guy up here. Oh, wait a minute. He did that. Last yeah. night. Yeah. Oh, okay. Last All right. Yeah, he I was think... Great, but he was great, yeah. They've pushed themselves into a lifestyle brand, and people yeah. forget they're an energy drink, right? Because they're... I'd it's much rather watch Red Bull media than drink Red Bull. <laughs> and there's no knock on Red Bull. I'm just not an energy drink. I'm a very energetic fellow. But Tim. 
Yeah, yeah so your, I, your big picture view, who's hitting it? Yeah, so two that I'd point to right away, I know we're short on time. Uh, one was about 18 months ago, so it's a little dated. Uh, but take a look at Breaking 2, uh, what Nike and Nat Geo did together, where they, they rolled out a real-time documentary as uh, Nike's athletes tried to uh, break the two-hour marathon barrier, which has never been done. And spoiler alert, I think they got 201, so it's still not done. Uh, but how they used the uh, largest media company in the world on social, the largest brand on social in the world, uh, Nat Geo photographers, Nike athletes, uh, other, other ancillary characters, uh, they really built an entire ecosystem to push out. It ended in, a, in a, a, a documentary, but it was really about how it unfolded in real time on social. So that was one. And then uh, much more current, we were just talking about this backstage, uh, but I would be paying attention. It's similar to what Twitch is doing, but what Marshmello and Fortnite just did last Friday. Uh, yeah, this was really big, I think. I mean, because we got to understand what Fortnite is. It's becoming something more than just a game. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there was no brand involved in this, but it just shows the power of the platform with the, the, the right artist and the right, and, and the right audience. And you could obviously see the next step being a p potentially a, a brand involved, maybe unfortunately. Uh, but 10 million viewers on a 10-minute concert. Uh, this was Marshmallow's biggest... I don't know if anyone knows who Marshmallow is. He's a DJ. These are giant, EDM Giant fans, Marshmallow me. on his head. Uh, it looks like the State Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah, it's um, sponsored by State Puff, right? Marshmallow sponsored by State Puff is the next iteration of this, right? Yeah, but 10 million, 10 million concurrent viewers um, on a 10-minute concert uh, that took place live on the platform last uh, last Friday. Yeah, that's really powerful. Crazy numbers. He's done well at places like the Wynn Hotel in Vegas, but 10 million. 10 million people showing up to watch them, even if it's only 10 minutes, is a remarkable thing. So moving forward, in the time that we have left, give me a couple of things that you guys see on the horizon, technologies that are transformative, opportunities that are going to change this stuff, cool things that are coming down the pike. Start with you, Russell. I'm going to go the opposite of the technology spectrum. I'm going to talk about the in-person. And we were discussing how experiential, experiential is the thing right now. So whether you've been to a Comic-Con, I'm sure you all have either seen it, or its brethren, which is the less corporate, but highly engaged Dragon Con, you know, this desire for people to find their communities in person that they've been interacting with online is incredibly powerful. Um, so, you know, as we think about what is content marketing, you can get that broadcast or the widest cast off digital, but creating these little special events. You know, we did this for Machinima um, last uh, E3. Um, you know, we, we were doing some exhibition, uh, you know, fighting matches uh, with our Body Count Fighting eSports channel, and people were excited to see these people in, in person. So I think we can't let loose the idea that there's still something magical and even more engaging about these live experiential events, and you see how much brands are investing in them more and more and more. I think every major Warner Brothers family film has an experiential marketing component to it. Yeah, you're seeing these things at South by Southwest, for instance, there was a huge Ready Player One. They took over, I think, a whole block of yeah. Boston. Uh, VidCon, Comic-Con, both had huge things. VidCon is another place to go if you are in Hollywood and have not gone to VidCon. I cannot urge you more strongly to go down there and see uh, intensely engaged fans about people that they only see online. Yeah. And they cannot be more excited. They make those fans of the Beatles in 1964 look like they're on sedatives. 
and it is uh, advised to bring your, your earplugs because uh, it turns out that 12-year-old girls can still scream really loud. That being said, Kim, I'm what's actually going to add on to what Russell is saying because I agree with her that experiential is very imp important. Um, but I think integrating that with a live stream platform so that yeah. that experiential experience can be um, broadcast to a wider audience so people in Mississippi that may not be at, at Comic-Con or South by Southwest can also have that live experience. Which Get is beyond what, the four walls. Basically. Right, which right. is what we experienced with the Fortnite um, concert on Friday. And it's also the integration of talent and brands with, I think, maybe the moderation or the leadership of journalism. Mm. So I there think the three of those coming together. There's the, hope. The That's yeah, the journalism needs to sort of mediate the talent and the brands, and the three of those working together, I think, could be really magical. Interesting. So, Sandra, what are you seeing coming down the pipe? Definitely experiential. The productization of that experience to everyone, not just the people that are in the room. Um, and I think with technology, there's definitely a way to get there. Um, I also see voice. A lot of that, we, we talked about this earlier, voice becoming a, 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 will be a huge frontier um, in the next five years, not only just for commerce brands, but for discovery brands. And again, the ability to, to personalize that experience, um, I think is gonna be really interesting. You know, I, I have a six-month-old daughter. We're terrified that her first words are gonna be, okay, Google. <laughs> <laughs> She's looking at that thing every time we say it, so we're, we're, we're moderating that. But definitely, I think, I think voice is something that is, we all have to kind of think about what will that mean in the future? Well, that means everything for entertainment. If you're talking to your Roku or your uh, Apple TV or your TV set saying, uh, play me a sitcom, I mean, who gets to decide what that sitcom is that gets played? Or show me a, a drama or whatever. That's going to be a big deal just for discovery, as you say, of, of content and branded or content marketing. How do they even in line for that? I mean, that's an interesting question. Don't show me the cool video from Unilever. I don't see that coming out of a lot of people's mouths so maybe it's how do i show me that cool thing from marshmallow right tim is that yeah yeah that's cool? fair so uh, just to add on to that you know in, in addition to live I and mean, live's so critical for the social platforms to truly compete against uh uh the tv networks for for ad dollars um i would add uh, ephemeral video uh so aka instagram stories we've seen the massive growth there over 500 million daily users uh, the emphasis of the social platforms to build in e-commerce hooks uh, into, uh, into things like Stories and, and Snap um, and other platforms look to be releasing uh, Stories-type content in the, in the coming, coming months. Uh, I, th I think that you'll see a, a, a continued push into ephemeral video moving forward. Okay. Ephemeral video been, is, go is go here today, gone tomorrow, or gone in the next 10 minutes. Uh, one last thing, gaming. We've talked about Marshmallow and Fortnite. Twitch, obviously big in games, though trying to get beyond that. Machinima was all about games, so are games the thing? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the themes I've heard at this conference is how can you take some of the um, behaviors that gamers accept in game monetization, um, you know, cashing into currencies and transferring that into the, the entertainment content world. Yes, I, I mean, we used to say at Machinima that gaming IP was what the next comic books are going to be because there is a generation which has grown up with those characters and stories and environments that, and spent hundreds of hours, more so than just even what they have. So, yes, gaming has, has had, I think, a huge effect on what's yeah. to come. Uh, one last stat for you guys. Uh, Nuzu, I think data uh, said that last year the video game space was more than half of all entertainment revenues in the world. So that might be a place to look at if you're not a gamer 
take a peek over there, look at some of what these guys are doing. Let's give everybody a big hand. I think they were fantastic. Thank you, David. And that's my latest Bloom and Tech episode. I hope you learned a bit and found some things of interest. Let me know what the content marketing initiatives are that you've seen in recent months that really caught your eye or that tried something different that you'd like to emulate in your own company's practices. If I get some nominees here, I'll try to link to them on social media and talk about them a bit. In the meantime, if you like my podcast, please give it a good rating and even a review on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you're hearing it. That really helps me get heard more broadly, and gosh, I could sure use that. Also, follow me on LinkedIn at David L. Bloom and on Twitter at David Bloom. Let me know what you're up to that might be of interest to all of our listeners, and uh, I look forward to talking with you. Thanks again for our sponsors, and of course, thanks to all of you for listening in. I met a bunch of you at the Digital Entertainment World Conference, and I have to say that was enormously satisfying and fun. It's good to know you're out there, that somebody's listening and paying attention and has actually linked my face with (laughs) my name and my voice. I really appreciate that you appreciate what I'm doing. Until next time, this is David Bloom for Bloom in Tech, over and out. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. Take care, everyone.